0: the Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, and today I am delighted to be celebrating the 100th episode of this podcast, and I have invited two of the people responsible for it getting off the ground to have a conversation with me, Sandra Wong and Laurie Rader Day. Laurie is the Edgar Award nominated and Agatha, Anthony, and Mary Higgins Clark Award winning author of Death at Greenway, The Lucky One, Under a Dark Sky, The Day I Died, Little Pretty Things, and The Black Hour. Her next contemporary suspense novel, The Death of Us, will be released in the fall of 2023. She lives in Chicago, where she is a co-chair of the Mystery Readers Festival, Midwest Mystery Conference, uh, formerly known as Murder and Mayhem in Chicago, and she served as the 2019 to 2020 National President of Sisters in Crime. She teaches creative writing for Northwestern University School of Professional Studies. Sandra S.G. Wong writes fiction across genres, including the cross-genre Lola Stark novels, Crescent City short stories, and the best-selling standalone suspense novel, In the Dark We Forget. A hybrid author, she has been a Crime Writers of Canada Awards of Excellence finalist and a Whistler Independent Book Awards nominee. Wong has been involved with genre and literary organizations, conferences, festivals, and workshops across Canada and the United United States, she served on the Sisters in Crime National Board as its first president of Asian Heritage, and currently chairs its DEIJB Advisory Committee. She's also an active member of Crime Writers of Color. Laurie and Sandra, thank you both for being on the podcast and for being part of this conversation. Thanks for having us. Thanks for the invite, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a hundred episodes is roughly two years. Uh, which is a a long time Um, uh, and it's been a wonderful journey but you Sandra was the first guest on the um, podcast and but (laughs) Laurie you were one of the first guests when I was still figuring out what I was doing and we were (laughs) um, getting conversations ready to go Um, but we talked about this internally for a while and Laurie just to also give folks a sense of timeline. So Laurie was the president from 2019 to 2020. Sandra was the president from 2020 to 2021. Um, during that time, a couple of things happened. First of all, we had a worldwide <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> a couple of things happened. <laughs> Just um, two. Uh, And the second thing is I was actually hired as the full-time executive director um, in May of 2021. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so this is, you know, all of this is sort of a a conversation starter to what is going to be a fabulous conversation. So, Laurie, why don't we talk about how this
1: started? I think it started with um, just, you know, that podcasts were such a big part of how I get information, and I think a lot of us uh, have caught on and are, are, you know, listening to our favorites. Um, while we do other things maybe driving around the countryside going to library events and that sort of thing Um, but I just kept hearing people say oh this podcast I listen to oh you've got to try this podcast Um, it's the best and at first I thought well how how are we making time for all this extra listening and and uh, learning but then yeah the the podcast is while you're vacuuming while you're doing other things and that's a miracle I think um so I think we just had that kind of on a list somewhere of things we were interested in doing. And of course, it didn't get started until after I was no longer president. Sandra is the one who uh, with Julie got it off the ground. But uh, I think I just had it on my wish list.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, technology took a while to make it easier to do this. <laughs> too. Um, so Sandra, why don't you pick up the thread and,
2: and, and we talk about how this kept going. Right. Um, I think that one of the things that happened when we, um, because uh, Beth Wasson retired as executive director after a long and storied career. Um, and so it gets, you know, the opportunity of having you come on board full time, Julie, gave us like some more space, I think, to think about what some new programming we could bring to our, our membership and also to the writing, the crime writing community at large and the non crime writing community at large, you know. Um, it's a huge community and um there's always something for everyone. So I think that was a, a huge driver too, is that we just had more space to think about new programming. And I mean, Lori's idea was brilliant, right? On, on her wish list. I hadn't thought of it. So <laughs> to me, <laughs> it was like, wow, that's a what a great idea. Yeah. And I mean, um I'm probably like a lot of people, I love podcasts and I'm I'm oversubscribed probably to be honest, but no. I I love them. <laughs> I love having them available you know Um, so yeah it just seemed like such a natural thing to do and uh, I think too Julie it's it's funny how you say you didn't really know what you were doing uh but probably most people would feel like yeah it seemed pretty you know professional right from the get-go so uh, I applaud you for that Julie absolutely and also Lori for this brilliant idea I'm just, just here I for the you were, ride. I'm just here for the ride. I thought, <laughs> Julie, you were
1: great from the start. And also, it just well, seemed like you. we're just having a writing conversation, which yeah. is the thing that we like about Sisters in Crime, about getting together at conference. And if we just get a chance to talk to our friends about writing, and, and that's
2: what this podcast has been. Yeah, yeah. and also, too, um, just to jump in, to just, you know, with my DEIJB chair hat on, like the idea of increasing accessibility to, you know, our community, right? Because I think before... One of those couple of things that happened in 2020, 2021, <laughs> i.e., the pandemic. Um, I think we weren't, you know, not a lot of us were thinking about wider accessibility for everyone. We were just used to being able to, you know, some of us scrimp together the dollars and go to conferences in person. Uh, you know, and we pick and choose which ones we could go to, but at those conferences, we would see our friends and make new friends and find new authors and all that really wonderful stuff. Um, and so it just seemed like a great time. To have a podcast that not only, you know, um, gave, gave us some new programming, as I said, but also increased the ways that our community could connect with each other. And like, that's never a bad thing in my books.
0: Well, one of the focuses uh, of the, well, the focus of these conversations is writing. And one of the wonderful things that the founders of Sisters in Crime did was make it pretty clear about how to, how the organization can promote one member over another. And the way they made it pretty clear is they said you can't. <laughs>
1: you, you can't <laughs> you worried me there for a
0: second, I'm like where is no, she no, going? No, with what changed you have? You can't promote one member over another. So um I have enjoyed having a range of conversations with authors at different stages in their careers and who write different types of crime uh, novels, but many of them also write in other genres. It's a remarkable how many um, sisters and crime members also wrote romances, <laughs> or still do, or wrote uh, science fiction, or horror, or different genres. Um, and so when you're talking about writing it's that's a level ground that we can all talk about because we're all writers. Um, We've also had some readers uh, be guests on the podcast who are huge advocates um, of, of sisters in crime. But I, I think that the, Opportunity for me to talk to different people and get advice and listen to them has just enriched me because every time I have a conversation with somebody who does it differently or or fixes, you know, I had a conversation this morning with somebody who edits as she goes. So she won't get past the sentence until it's perfect. And I can't imagine doing that and keeping the book in my head, but she's written over 50 books. So obviously it works for her, Um, but just hearing that people do this or somebody else who writes longhand in notebooks and transcribes or, or people who plot or pants or, you know, write three books a year, or it's just been such a wonderful opportunity to really understand that there's no right way to write.
1: I mean, it gets down to what Sisters in Crime is all about really, you know, at the conferences or at the meetings or at the webinars or whatever, we're always just sharing information and learning how other people work or what they read or what they enjoy, right. different ways to be in this community in different, different roles, um, publishing right. different ways. It's, it's all just, you know, fodder. It's all, I don't know, it just, it just feeds our career, but also like. I don't know. I hate to use the word soul here, but I think I think I can in front of Sandra. I think that's a yes. word <laughs> she can. would be she would be okay with.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Laura, you went through a phase recently where you were sharing that you were rereading a lot of writing books and, and you got me rereading Bird by Bird and on writing and all these other books that I haven't read for years. And you're, it's just revisiting and, and again, renewing, you know, your soul or renewing your creativity is just such a gift and so necessary. I mean,
1: we, we are, you know, making a a business successful or not out of, out of this, uh, this thing that probably used to be a hobby to us. And it, I think it, it, you kind of forget, why did I get into this? Why, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's not, you kind of forget, get away from that original, um, impetus to get started. And I started reading bird by bird again. I've read it probably eight, nine times over my lifetime. Um, you know, early on when I wasn't writing, you know, Mm -hmm. I wanted to be writing, but I wasn't. Um, And, but I started rereading it because I find that while I'm reading something like that, I have the urge to write, which is not how I feel uh, every morning when I should have the urge to write. And so I was using it as sort of like a step into my writing day. I would read a couple of pages and then get that feeling. Um, -hmm. thank you, Anne Lamott. Uh, I I think I (laughs) joked on, um, social media that she is, uh, deserving of a co-writing of my latest book (laughs) because she would get me into writing every day. And then I would go do my 1500 words and then, you know, the day would, would end instead of like kicking around my house for a couple more hours, um, you know, complaining about how I had to write.
2: Yeah. I wanted to, I think that really speaks to like, um, all these conversations you've had, Julie, you know, whether it's for the podcast or outside, because I know that you're, you're, you're as much a publishing writing nerd as I am <laughs> and you just love these conversations, but um, it really puts paid to the idea that there's only one way to do any of this, whether it's the writing or the, the publishing part, or like, you know, being a, being an author in public and all that kind of stuff. And I just love that because I'm just going to say that as a preface to say, I do not read craft books. Oh gasp. Wow. I know I don't read craft books. Um I just really like to feel my way through whatever it is I'm writing. And I, I've always been like that. So um yeah, and I don't think there's any one way to do it either. Like wonderful writers like the two of you, uh clearly you love reading craft books and revisiting, you know, other uh talented writers' ideas and how to do this kind of nuts thing that we do called writing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I'm here to say that you can also, you can also write and not um, read craft books. You can just, you know, feel your way through it, uh, make a lot of mistakes. I mean, <laughs> I do still, that part. Yeah, I, I mean, craft we books all do, no right? Craft I excel that at might that. Be the, that might be the one thing everybody does, right? Which is make a lot of mistakes. So it doesn't matter how you do it. You, you're allowed to make a lot of mistakes in writing, I guess, is is another way to say it. Yeah.
0: You know, it's funny because when I read, think about <clears throat> Anne Lamott or think about Stephen King's on writing, I think of them less as craft books and more as inspiration. Yeah. The craft books, and I I certainly read those. You know, plot uh, the plotting book that Paul Munier wrote or Hallie Afron's book on writing mysteries. Right. Definitely great craft books. Um, but in Lamott and uh, Stephen King are sort of more philosophies on mm-hmm. uh, le- leading a creative life that, that sometimes, as Laurie said, you need to reconnect with because you get in the weeds of this business and contracts get canceled, or you're you're stuck with an idea, or a pandemic hits and you can't go and tour for your new book, or all of these things happen that just make you feel so defeated or so uninspired that, you know, you need to remember why we do this and why we want to do it.
1: I think it's a little bit like having Uh, a conversation with a friend about writing if you if you know this is I. that's where I got started before I had sisters and crime before I had a writing community I had a couple of books that were you know saying I could do it even though I was not doing it in fact um so that's how I used you're right the inspiration books are the ones I like the best the the how-to obviously I've read some of those and I will sometimes um read one of those or, or revisit one of those. If I'm going to be teaching something, uh, maybe to sort of figure out how I want to talk about a topic or maybe um, quote from uh, someone else and and give, obviously give them credit. Um, But for the, for the getting back to the page, for me, it's usually something like bird by bird, where it's more like this book is going to hold my hand for a few minutes until I get over the the threshold of, I don't want to, and into, (laughs) I better.
2: I better get I to love the desk. That. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and of course, inspiration is so, you know, so important. And just for the record, I have read on writing. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I have done. <laughs> way back when, I remember reading um, and going through The Artist's Way. Do you remember that yeah. book? Is it, yeah. is it Julia Cameron? Is that the author? Julia Cameron, Julia Cameron. yeah. remember that? Yeah. Back in the day, yes. Yeah. Writing so, pages. Absolutely.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely
2: journaling and all of that stuff I, way people swear
0: by her too and yeah. I her artist dates is something that I talk about you know and um, Sandra and I have been working on a class that Sisters in Crime is going to be offering about world building and um, I did a small section on artist dates because it's a way to refill your well and, mm-hmm. and you know and all of that one thing that inspires me about both of you so I as as executive director I, I'm privileged that I can have conversations on a weekly basis with the president of Sisters in Crime at the time and one of the saddest things is when you're no longer longer president and I don't have those weekly conversations. But during the times um, of your presidency and also in subsequent conversations, you have both been pushing yourselves as writers. You have been um, working on books that are pushing your comfort zone or uh, making you rethink things. Sandra, I know that right now you're working on a three points of view, sort of concurrent yeah. railroad tracks crashing <laughs> at the end kind of thing and, and Laurie uh of course you wrote a historical death at Greenway but now you you've done a, a, a suspense that's um you know fascinating premise and and sort of um re- rediscovering a different voice for you and you will talk to me about um, how you keep pushing and keep inspiring because that's one of the favorite things I've been getting out of these conversations is the people who have long-running careers who keep pushing themselves they don't necessarily have to but they're like ah now I want to try to do this you know Um, what what drives you both why don't we start with Sandra in her oh, train uh, crash of a novel.
1: <laughs> train crash doesn't sound good. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: no, no, it's going to be fabulous. But it's just like she explains it to me. And you don't have to explain too much, but it's just so complicated. Right. The, the, her even writing, I don't even know how she's writing it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so Yeah, uh, that's so funny, Julie. I Okay, so I just like just to say, Again, pointing pointing back to like my writing process, which is um, in some ways organic, but in other ways, really, you know, planned out because yes, I am a Virgo. So there's always this big Virgo energy. So there's always some planning happening. But I think that um, I, liked, uh, I like being challenged just in general, uh, creatively. <clears throat> so I, I come up with the idea and then it kind of strikes me. What's the best way to write it? And usually the the way that I think of that's the most terrifying is the one I'm going to try. Because it's it's usually going to be the one I've never done before. And the, for me, my attitude is there's really only one way for me to find out if I can do it, which is just to try it. So for this book, I mean, even the book before um, uh, In the Dark, We Forget, yeah. I'd never done a contemporary uh, suspense novel. I'd never done, um, you know, first person present POV, uh, POV, excuse me, um, narrative voice. And I, I'd never done the unreliable narrator. And but that came to me as the best way to tell that story. So I went for it. And this is the same thing. This this book I'm um I'm actually working on. I'm just putting the finishing touches before I hand it in to my editor. Ha, <laughs> ah, fingers crossed. Um, and it's just, you know, it's one timeline. Uh, how do I pitch it to people who ask me, my friends? I say it's three women few weeks, and too many secrets. So it's just the same two-week period with three different um, POVs, and uh, they're intersecting in many different ways. So I'd never done that before. And I have to say I did discover spreadsheets are kind of um, useful (laughs) for tracking (laughs) these, you know, the events and the dates and the times and when things happen. So I discovered that for myself using spreadsheets. That was new. But then also, you know, trying three different strong voices and how does that work? So mm-hmm. as I was saying, this is my final go through before I turn it in um, uh, under under contract. So one of the things I have to be really clear on that I'm looking for during this last pass, uh, as it were, is if the voices are strong enough, mm-hmm. you know, on their own as each other, as, sorry, as themselves. So um yeah, I just love like, what's the, for me, what's the point of writing if I'm not learning something new every time, you know? And then it's like, like not to knock people who just like have their groove and they love it and they're great at it. Cause I love those books too. I love all kinds of books. Um, but for me right now in, in where I'm at in my career, I want to try different things. And as long as, uh, editors are willing to buy my books and they're, they're willing to let me try different things like why not and then if I if I ever have a book that I that it strikes my fancy but not any you know traditional publisher um I've done self-publishing and and as an indie author and I can do that too so I just love that opportunity Uh, but yeah that's me and I I want to hear the premise of your your book coming out in the fall, Lori. I know I've heard it before, but that was like a very early stages and you were very hush hush. So I would well, love to hear more.
1: It's still early days when it comes to like, you know, you know how it is when you're like, I don't know how to talk about this book yet. Yeah. Um, well it's, I'll start by answering the original question. So, um, the, the book that, I mean, Julie, when Julie was in the weeds with me, when I was in the weeds with Death at Greenway, because I was writing that, revising that, re- rewrote it, you know, an entire, at least fully once, maybe I could almost say twice, and yeah. um, that was the the time that we were, were talking every week. And uh, luckily, you were an Agatha Christie fan, so we could talk about Agatha Christie as much as as both of us needed to um, <laughs> to get through the pandemic. But um, that was that was the most different of any of my books. But I I do feel like I I agree with Sandra when it comes to What's the point of any of this if I am just doing the same thing over and over again? I like to do something different. I used to call it, um, that I would have an intellectual what is it? intellectual assignment intellectual uh, maybe it was an assignment or homework or something like that. And then I decided that sounds like a jerk. Why am I <laughs> why am I calling it that? <laughs> um, it just sounds so pompous. I'm just you know, I'm just trying to have fun writing. And what's fun writing for me is the discovery of the story and the discovery of of trying to figure out um of my own limits, of my own abilities and trying new things is one of the ways that i'm i'm I am playing on the page when I'm trying to figure out if I can do historical or if I can do um let's see. the lucky one was the first time I did third person. Uh, narration fully mm-hmm. I had two characters and it was uh you know multiple third person but that was practice that was me uh assigning myself an intellectual activity to see if I could do it because I knew Rick Greenway was the next thing I was going to try to to do and I knew that I couldn't do um a historical first or I didn't want to do a historical first person I didn't think that I could get the 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 voice right so i thought how can i tell that story um more successfully and so but then in death at greenway it was all the historical detail and it was the eight points of view i know i, know. Eight. I do not people listening at home i do not advise that um, for this book it uh the death of us see it's so new i don't even know the title the death of us um <laughs> it's not it's three points of view two of them are third close very very close and one of them is first person present and then the the, the two third are past so again it's just wow. me having fun it's yeah. just me seeing like let's just throw the balls up in the air and see if they can all land in my hands and how long i can keep them in the air um the story is about um a family sort of torn apart by a missing person cold case um, and then the discovery of a submerged car in a quarry pond so mm-hmm. it's a cold case that's happened in the past um a mother uh, a mother has gone missing and then the um the father and his new wife are raising the, the son as their own but um mama's coming home they uh find her her car in a in a quarry nearby. And so it's about um secrets and family secrets and see the power of rumor and vengeance and who gets to have it. So
0: both of you amaze me because these ideas um well writing is a magical there's a magical moment right where it all comes to the idea comes. Lori, how did this idea come to you?
1: You know, I just remembered this because I just flew uh, to Alaska to visit my friend. Uh, yes, in April. Yes, I'm insane. It was snowing when I left. Um, and while I was flying home to Chicago, I looked out the window and I saw a quarry pond, a, a, like a, a a lake would look like a lake, but a quarry right. pond looks you kind of small and contained and is often um, a bright turquoise green if it's active. And I remembered... That I had the idea for this story on a plane flying home from Minneapolis when I went to visit Jess Lowry, one of our siblings. Uh, we did some events together and did a writing retreat in Minneapolis. And I was flying home, and I looked out the window and saw some uh-huh. body of water. I don't remember if it was a quarry or not. And I thought about all these um, these missing people who are somewhere, and and some of them are in their cars in bodies of water, very near yeah. their homes. there is um, There are some volunteers out in the world, a couple of different groups who are using technology to find some of these cars and, and you know, sort of solving mysteries that are 20, 30 years old. It's fascinating stuff. There's actually, um, just today I saw a story about a submerged Jeep being pulled out of water. And it, it wasn't a long case. It was just, oh, there's a, there's a Jeep. And uh, they pulled it out. As they started to pull out the jeep, they realized there's someone in the jeep and she's still alive. So they were able to rescue her. It was like, you know, just taking their time because there's a car in the water. That's weird. Let's get the car out. And she's still alive. She was. Uh, she was saved. So that was oh just. Oh my god! That. And that. I mean, it's a different kind of story. But it just. I, uh, there are. There are lots of news stories coming yeah. out about um, submerged cars uh, lately. So I guess that's part of partly where the story came from as well. Oh, wow. I know. That's and
0: Laurie, point. you're an organic writer. So you... Oh, is that what we're calling me? Yes. Organic. I'm, That's I'm, I'm trying to... Now. I have been... I've been corrected a couple of times. <laughs>
1: for, you I've know. never heard that term <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah, I like yeah. it. <laughs> or
2: some people say it's a, a discovery writer.
1: Okay. Discovery writer is yeah, actually... Yeah. That does actually sound like what uh, I like about writing. That, that That is how I process the story. So... Panzer is the term (laughs) I have been throwing around. You write by the seat of your pants. And that does sort of um evoke a certain, you know, hold on to your hat, here we go, let's see what (laughs) happens, which is actually literally how I write. So yeah, organic sounds (laughs) like I plan it and it is uh you know certified.
0: (laughs) i'm trying i'm trying to be respectful and understand people's process and and things um but you can you usually because as you said with death at greenway i did um i'm gonna say live through but um you know you rewrote that book i think twice while we were talking i mean the whole thing (laughs) in a very one of them was like over Christmas break you just was you were like yeah, yeah was, this isn't uh, working I'm rewriting
1: the whole thing down to the studs uh remaking of that book at least once mm-hmm. yeah and then yeah yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm yeah so, um you know this it's just
0: this <laughs> organic I mean I, I did, when you're coming up with this idea I, from what I know of you, this isn't a quick process for you either. This isn't a, I'm going to write two books a year kind of thing. I mean, you write standalones, so you're not writing series, but also you do need to find that hook and then find your way
1: in. And that takes you a while. It's a little while. I do a little bit of, um, I mean, my pre-writing Um, strategy if you want to give it a fancy uh, name that it probably does not deserve is that I kind of wander around um, kicking at ideas for a while just in my head maybe maybe I have a you know a journal uh, notebook that I'm writing down some ideas I have a list of story ideas that I've never uh, pursued it just you know I just kind of like revisit the list once in a while trying I'm still I'm actually in that process right now where I'm trying to figure out what I want to write next and I take it pretty seriously because, you know, this is a year of my life and, and then you start, you know, spending time promoting it. So you, you do have to care. It can't just be, this is a story that I think might sell. It has to be something that I want to uh, pursue, learn about, um, think about for a while. Um, And, and so I'm, you know, I just sort of kick around ideas for a while, maybe figure out um, from different angles, what that story might look like, who might tell it. What kind of job they might have if it's not inherent to the story um with my very first published book the black hour you know I I knew I wanted to write about uh, campus violence and I thought I probably wanted to, to write about a professor but I didn't know exactly what I wanted her to teach and then as I started writing I thought well she's going to teach about violence she's going to teach sociology the sociology of violence that's one of the things that she's going to tackle so I just kind of come at it from that sort of mm-hmm. um you know, a couple of, a couple of points on the map is what I usually say. I find a couple of things that I know um, I'm going to pursue, and then I just start writing, and I learn as I go, and then I can go back and insert, you know, new information as I learn it. For The Death of Us, the, at the beginning, I think my main character, this would be the the stepmother who is, has raised this child as her own. Um, I think she was going to be a guidance counselor at his school, and then I decided, no, I think she's actually, um, um, hasn't gone to college. I think that she's actually going to be a little younger and a little bit, uh, uh, maybe lower on the, on the, the scale at the school, um, someone who's at the school, but not, um, in a position of, of power. So I made right. her an administrative assistant for the guidance office. So that kind of stuff, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I enjoy that, that process trying to figure out where a story makes the most sense to go. Yeah. And
0: Sandra, you've written both series and standalones. Now you've also written historicals and current day, and you know yeah. you push yourself <laughs> in different ways. Um, do you, you know, do you miss the writing a series and sort of that right getting getting to revisit those characters
2: in another book? Yeah. Um. It's hard to say. I actually, I mean, I took a break from writing the series for a number of reasons. And one of them was uh, um, like uh, out of my control. So just the right uh, with, you know, rights and all that kind of stuff. So it's a long story uh, that I'm not going to get into now. But when I do, uh, yeah, I do think about going back to that series because I'd like to. Um, I have three books out and I have, uh, I've been planning the next three because they're a little mini trilogy that I have in mm-hmm. my mind that I wanted, I want to do. So um, yeah, when I really miss it, I just write a little short story because I have short stories that are set in that same world that um, I came up, you know, I came up with early in my process after I wrote that first book. So the main character, the protagonist for the series doesn't get her own short stories, but all of these other secondary characters do in the world, because I just, I think that's a, a lot of fun for me as a writer to do. So if I really miss it that much, I just write a short story. That's great. Um, yeah. And then I and I, the research is I could just read the other short stories. It's much shorter than having to read three full novels because I wrote those books so long ago. Honest to God, I don't remember them all. <laughs> I don't remember mm-hmm. everything that happens. So um yeah and you know unlike some super organized, I know I joke about big Virgo energy, but I don't have a series Bible or anything like that. For that so far, I have like some uh, individual documents here and there, but I don't have anything as organized. Uh, So probably when I go back to that series, I'll probably have to actually do that series Bible as a way to um, have it done, but also to remind myself about who's who and where and why (laughs) and when. (laughs) But but because I really enjoy that character in that world, uh, I still remember the overarching character arc I have for the protagonist. Like that has never changed. I know exactly, uh, which ringers I want to put her through and when. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. And, uh, just as like an add on to, you know, Lori sharing about, uh, your process. And I know you make all the crack, all these jokes about it, but like, clearly it works. <laughs> Clearly it works for you, Lori Ray yeah. Day, because your books are amazing and your writing is fantastic.
0: Thank you.
2: Um, I want to say that, you know, even as a person who says that I, I use an outline, I do a lot of pre-outline work. And those are like the characters. I have character sheets where I just noodle. I just call it noodling because it's very low pressure then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm noodling on the characters. I'm noodling on the plot. Um, and the outline is sort of like noodling at a, slightly higher level, my outlines. They're just me thinking about well, what would happen? And then trying to put on paper in outline form um the scenes that come into my head based mm-hmm. on who I know my characters to be. And then just like Lori does sometimes it's like, oh yeah, it doesn't work for them to be in this profession. Or it doesn't work for them to be this close to the, you know, to this um other character. So then, you know, you get to mess around with that a bit. So all to say as we have already said, there's so many different ways. Like there are as many ways to write a novel or a short story uh, or or a, a true crime book as there are people writing them.
1: Absolutely. Because we'll
2: each have our little quirks of things mm-hmm. that work for us, right?
1: I do um, a lot of revision. I I, I don't know if that's yeah. a topic that you guys, uh, I love to talk about revision. I could talk yes. about revision for days. But that's, I, I think it's about where you put your, your time. If you do a lot of work, up front, maybe your revision schedule is a little lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I like the discovery. And so I write kind of, you know, discovering as I go along, but I do, um, I do know there's, you know, deep revision out in my future, every single book. So right. it's a, it's a trade-off, I think. Or maybe both, maybe you have to do both and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But when you say deep
0: revision, how many you got your first draft and, and do you had typically have a, four drafts, five drafts, or do you just do it till it's done or till your editor calls you and says? (laughs) (laughs) See,
1: this is the funny part. My editor is much easier on me than I am on me. Oh, yeah. Yes. I think the whole, the re like taking Death at Greenway down to the studs and rewriting it entirely, that was not something I was asked to do. Right. That was a thing I decided to do because um, I was supposed to be launching um, The Lucky One and it came out in late February, 2020. So instead of, leaving the house and doing things, I could not leave the house and could not do things. So I canceled all the things that I was supposed to do and hunkered down at home. And I, I did need some, some revision, um, but because I had the time, I just decided, um, well, let's see, uh, I, let's make this book the thing I wanted it to be to begin mm-hmm. with. And now I have the time. So um, let's just take it down to the studs and and start from scratch. But also the pandemic itself actually inspired the rewrite of that book because I was writing about people who were locked away from their regular lives yeah, um, because of right. the war. And um, you know, we're having big feelings about that. And um I remember, you know, watching people on Facebook baking bread, you know, and and doing free concerts online and just, you know, being there for each other. And and this is, you know, when we were still get, all getting along. Um, and banding together <laughs> and I remember thinking I don't have that blitz spirit that's not how I feel but I was so deep into my World War II historical novel but that that's how it appeared to me in my brain I don't have the blitz Spirit and so I decided uh, that my main character would would feel that way mm. okay why does she feel that way that was a new entry um, point into her life and understanding her so I can't be grateful for the pandemic obviously but because we had to go through it um I took the opportunity to, you know, write a better book.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, it's and fast. it's a fabulous
0: book. Thank it you. is a it's fabulous
2: book.
0: Me. Yeah. Um, okay. So many people had different feelings about the pandemic. Some people definitely wrote their way through it. Some people couldn't write a word. I'm I, There are people who've left writing, <laughs> yeah. you know, who just, right. you know. And I can
1: understand that even though yeah. I did right through it I I mean there were people who wrote you know four books yeah over the pandemic that that was not me that was yeah you know no, right. I was someone. <laughs> if right. I had not had a draft already like that first draft was my outline right
2: I don't think I could have done it yeah oh, I, I wrote a romance novel during Ooh. pandemic that, that the first year because I I just needed to create some joy yeah. So that's how I decided to do it. Again, something I'd never done before. I thought, well, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I love.
0: I mean, that's that's, you know, I don't it's an interesting career planning strategy to write these dark suspense <laughs> novels and then this and then write a romance but you know <laughs> i can you multitudes <laughs> that's how i say it yeah <laughs> but i i think that the meeting happily ever afters is is but again yeah. some other people mind the dark because yeah. they could be in it they could access that more easily so i, I think that there's a um you know, and we're still all reacting to the pandemic too. I mean, we're, we're recording this in April of 2023, but it's still, um, a part of our world. So, you know, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You both teach as well. Uh, and as writers, it's a helpful thing, I think, to be a, a, A writer who's published while teaching, um, you know, I'm sure we've all taken workshops from people um, who who maybe don't looking back were not the best teachers because they, in fact, did not (laughs) know what they were talking about or giving advice that was from a book. I mean, I once had a writing teacher who didn't like genre. Oh, so no. he was a literary writer and there were 10 of us in the workshop and there was somebody else who wrote sci-fi and he was so horrible in his critiques of my book. I didn't write for a year wow. because he
1: just didn't get it. People do damage <laughs> when they, when yeah. they teach and yeah. they, they think there's only way, one way to do this. Yes. Things.
0: yes. Yeah, or right. that, you know, endorse. A blue door on a side street speaking French is great art, whereas you know, two characters solving a mystery is you know, pedestrian and doesn't deserve the light of day. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll never forget that. Um, you know. um and so when you're teaching, what's your favorite thing to tell to inspire? Because it's hard work to write, we just You hear that, we talk about it, physically it's hard, (laughs) but mentally it can also be very difficult. And and Sandra's actually going to be hosting a a webinar this summer about writing traumatic scenes and how to sort of help yourself work through that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we don't acknowledge that enough. We don't acknowledge the trauma that we can cause on ourselves as we're putting our characters (laughs) through all this, what that can do for yourself. What what do you tell students to encourage them to be the best that they can be um, and to inspire them, but to also give them the risk to keep going? Because as we all know, like 97% of people who start a book don't finish it. Wow. Is that the stat? I had not heard
2: that
0: that stat? stat too. I know it's hot. I might have made it up, but you know, I think I
2: think that's <laughs> I mean, but you know what? It's believable.
0: It that Sounded true. <laughs> that's New England in me. It's like I, I probably made it up.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I do think a lot of people, um, and I think there I did hear one stat once where it was like maybe you know, one in four Americans believe they have a book in them. One in four Americans. Wow. So I mean that's millions and millions and millions of people. Millions yeah. of people. And there are many books published each year, but obviously that's um a lot of people who are not getting that book out. Um, well, some of the things that I talk about are, you know, the same things that we talk about when we get together, Sisters in, Sister in Crime, or we, you know, we do a Sisters in Crime webinar. Um, I think finding your community, whatever it yeah. is, um, maybe it's just one person that you're swapping pages with, somebody, you know, often it's maybe somebody in this room, you're you're here with a cohort of students who are all at the same stage of a career, um, that you are, which I think that same stage of career is really valuable, or maybe that one step ahead, people think, oh, you know, oh, Laura, you're published. You have seven books. Um, you can be my writing friend. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that, but <laughs> what you need is somebody who's just right there with you or right. a couple of steps ahead. Um, just to show you just a model for you, what the life looks like, um, which is what I got when I, when I joined, um, the Mister Community. And the other thing, which we've already kind of touched upon, is that writing is revision. I rely heavily on revision, and I think you can um, get to your story, you can dig deeper with your story if you just allow yourself to write and, and figure out on the page what it is that you meant to say, instead of... I'm going to anger the the plotters, but I I think sometimes you can get too locked into, well, okay, this is the story I thought I was going to tell, so I have to get back to that. When, in fact, you can have an outline and still explore and find new pathways for that story. And no matter what you get out on the page, how many words it is, you can always make it better with a couple of rounds of revision.
0: So, I'm going to share a Phyllis Whitney quote um that I I heard at Left Coast Crime that will, because I am a plotter. So, you know, plotters out there, I'm with you. Um, Phyllis Whitney <laughs> quote is, uh, a map is not a journey. Hmm. So that, you know, us plotters have the map, but that doesn't mean we're not going to take a side journey or we're not going to, you know, maybe, maybe not follow the map we thought we were going to follow, but we've got an idea of what we're doing. So mm-hmm. just you know thinking that might be my next tattoo but but just yeah. to, sh- oh, nice. to share with <laughs> nice. you
1: a map is not a journey i, mean, I don't um, know about you guys but when the when the when the map becomes a journey i feel like that's the moment when it gets really good you you can't right. you almost can't know everything about a story mm-hmm. and then as you start to write it and get into it i i think that's when the story starts to tell you things that you right. couldn't have predicted right.
0: yes. or Yeah. or you realize told you stuff Mm-hmm. And then you're writing. It's like, oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Let me do that. Yeah. Oh. No. I mean,
2: that's great. Like in that in that analogy and that metaphor, right? It's like we we have our itinerary, we have the trip that we plan for ourselves, and then you get there and you do the things, you do the traveling, you make the journey, and that's where the learning is. And I think the same yeah. thing with the writing, right? The learning is. In writing the draft, like I'll have an outline, I do the whatever, the plot, I have a little character noodle sheets and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, when I'm drafting, that's the process, you know, that's the process of learning. And so, when just to get back to your question, um, what I tell people is to be open to experimenting, making mistakes, which is another way to say yeah. be open to making mistakes because it's going to happen. Um, and then also trust your process. So if you don't know what your process is, see step one, be open to experimenting. (laughs) And then trust that you'll get, you know, to the end of the story. It might not be the story you meant to tell at the beginning, but it will be the story that you have written. Um, And then, of course, absolutely, revisions, revisions, revise, revise, revise. Uh, And then I think there's some wisdom in having written a lot of manuscripts, which is, You'll figure out at some point what the end is. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I think when when we're first starting out, we're not quite sure how to end that book or that manuscript or that story. We don't quite know where the best ending point is. And I think that comes with practice. Yeah, so again, be open to experimenting (laughs) because maybe you'll end a little bit longer one draft. Maybe it'll be a little shorter. However that is, right? You've got to be open to all of that.
0: Or we don't know when to start the book. Is, is more kind of I mean, right? clearing. Yeah, yeah clearing exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't need those first 75 pages. <laughs> Actually, it starts on page 76.
1: The last thing I just remember as Sandra was talking is that um, I would tell them to read in the genre, right? Whatever mm-hmm. genre it is, literary is a genre. Read the kinds of books that you want to be writing. And I don't mean Dickens. Dickens is great, but I mean reading the contemporary authors mm-hmm. who have the career that you want. And um, and some of that story will seep into you. You will figure yeah. out, oh, this is how story unfolds in the kinds of books I like. And then you can play with, um, you know, being individual within that context
0: you know, I had another great conversation with somebody who um, was, had written a couple of books, had them published, publisher went out of business. So spent, you know, eight years writing, but not getting published. And so she spent those eight years also reading as a writer, and really with detailed outlines of books and, and plotting things and writing characters and just, she said there were pay, reams of paper on, on what she was doing just to keep learning and keep, you know, imagining and keep going and keep propelling herself forward and keep challenging herself because mm-hmm. that's a, that in between time is, is, and obviously it worked out well for her because she's well-published. Um, but she didn't stop writing. She never stopped writing and she never stopped learning. And I think that that's another great conversation to
1: have. For sure. Yeah. Agree. Wow. Yeah. Reading as a writer is, is uh that's a, a great way to put it, like a reading, not you know, you're gonna enjoy it, but if you enjoy something a lot, you could read it again and read it as a writer. How did yes. this unfold? How did this work?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I had I had an emotion here. How did that writer make me feel right. that emotion?
2: Yeah. Right. I, I do that with um there's a thing that my family does. We call it bad movie night trademark because (laughs) we'll pick we'll pick movies that are terrible but what we do is we enjoy thinking about why is that terrible why doesn't that work you know and we talk about that we also you know we we hate watch things and stuff that's a whole different conversation (laughs) but yeah there can be some like really great utility in um, examining why certain books or movies shows don't work for you with the writer mind right like Mm. why doesn't that work what What, how could I improve that? Like my children, I trained my children. I'm sure no one will be surprised. I trained (laughs) my children for when they said, well, I didn't like that. I trained them to explain why. Yes. What was it you didn't like? What was it about that? Well, okay. You didn't like that character, but why, you know? And so uh, also not surprisingly, they both want to be writers because they really enjoy they enjoy this idea of, you know, creativity. They're also both visual artists, you know, and one is learning music as well. So, um I think like applying that kind of artistic mindset to just simple things that that we encounter in the rest of our lives when we're not writing, I think that's so useful too. Just, mm-hmm. you know, so like approaching the world as an artist, whether you're mm-hmm. a writer, visual artist, painter, like all that kind of stuff is is so Great. fascinating. Um and if you're writing,
1: the world starts giving you gifts, right? If you're yeah. deep into a project, you start folding little things that you see into your, right. your writing and you're like, oh, these are just like little gifts from that that works. That, oh, that goes along with my theme. Oh, I didn't even think yes. of it that way. You know, yeah, um, absolutely. But you have to yeah. be in, you know, in the story to yeah, have an antenna antenna. Mm-hmm, yeah,
0: for sure. Okay. And then it's about stories. So another interview I did recently, um somebody who is writes on a tv show writes short stories writes novels writes graphic mm. novels because for him it's all about the story and the story manifests itself in different ways and shapes itself depending on the medium but but story is what drives him being a novel writer isn't the driving force it's it's story right. and i think about that a lot as well lately. <laughs> it's like, how are we telling the story? What's the story and why? Why are we telling that story? And how how that can provide clarity of vision and of intent as well. Yeah. Um, I also, Sandra, I want to go back to when you talk about process, I think one of the gifts that uh, these conversations can give people is that there's no one process. And for you, there's no one process, you know, you're at a point in your career, it's going to stop working the way it worked before. And you're going to need to do something (laughs) different because (laughs) it's you not feeling it or the story isn't working or you have challenged yourself and you've got to up, up what you're doing. You know, you have to bring everything up uh, with it. Um, Have you found that, that, that you've, you've had to learn new I'm not going to come tricks, but, but you've need to develop new skills yeah. in order to write to this higher level. Absolutely.
2: So, um, before, like the most recent book I had that came out in 2022, I'm like, what year is it now? Um, I know. <laughs> it came out in June of 2022. And so that was the first time for me that I was, uh, you know, touring, even though it was mostly virtual stuff. Um, but I had a few in-person things that I traveled for to promote the book. It was the same time I'd done that kind of promotion at this and also had a book on contract on deadline. So I discovered for myself that I'm I'm not great at doing both things at the same time, <laughs> and so there may be other authors who are wonderful at it, and they can they can you know um, do the writing in between times when they're not on stage or they're not. Yeah, but we don't you know. like them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just kidding. They're great,
2: <laughs> they're all great, and I applaud them. Um, I'm not one of them. I don't know if I ever will be because my my brain. I like to focus completely on what I'm doing in the moment, right, and be present. So um, I found that I really had to change the way I did the writing part, uh, and I actually said this many times ad nauseum, I'm sure, to my husband, uh, where I said, ah, "I just don't think the way I usually write books is working for this. This is not working. This is mm-hmm. not so This is not working." Is the one phrase I think he probably heard the most while I was mm-hmm. writing this book. <laughs> what did you change? I um, the way that I outlined. The way that I had like step one, noodling; step two, create that outline; step three, draft; step four, revise. It was very much like I I don't know this outline is not really working, so I'm just going to start drafting because I just uh, here's a framework. It's a skeleton. It's not as the outline. My outline was not as um, as full bodied as it usually is, and I just thought, okay, well, it's time to leap. To mm-hmm. leap off the cliff and just start drafting and see what happens.
1: Be a little organic.
2: Be a little <laughs> the organic discovery writer, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. also, um, I liked having a lot of drafts, speaking of like revising. And so um, you know, I Julie I will remember, I was like, I had this deadline for myself that I would finish this first draft before Christmas. <laughs> I was just killing myself to do it because it just wasn't coming. In the way that I used, I was used to writing it, and so um, I think it was on the very same day that I thought to myself, "Okay, I this is not working." Julie was. I had a meeting with Julie, and she said, "Listen, I'm just going to say this to you. You're going to take it how you take it. But I'm going to say it to you that maybe you don't meet this deadline." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> <laughs> maybe just give yourself a little tiny break.
1: Yes, exactly,
2: <laughs> exactly. So yeah. uh, I definitely that was new. It's just like trusting that, uh, trusting my process, because I forget that too. Trusting that it's all in my head somewhere, this story, Mm. you know, and whatever's in my head will mesh with maybe like the gifts that I get from outside of myself, but to trust that it will happen and I will end at some point with a story. Um, So yeah, absolutely, Julie. (laughs) It was not going tickety-boo. So I had to <laughs> I, I had to like give up that big Virgo energy and just like trust the universe. Yeah.
0: Well, right. And trust yourself and everything else. But that's easier said than done. So I'll never forget Hallie Afron, who we all know, uh saying to me once that um when I was and I talk about I used said this a million times when I was writing my second book, I was struggling. Terribly. My second book on contract. And I was having a meeting with, you know, I was on a committee with her and she asked how it was going. And I said, I'm, I'm really struggling. She said, Julie, every draft is like putting a log through a meat grinder. It never, (laughs) ever gets easier. And I I just look, and she said, but you know, you can do it because you've done it before. Yeah. So you just have to trust that, you know, you could do it, but Every first draft is awful. <laughs> like, truth. Thanks, Hallie. <laughs> but but actually, that was great advice. Like, you got to trust that you could do it. But it's not never. It never gets easy. It never and for gets people easy. People who haven't
1: done it before, you yeah. have to trust that you can do a little bit today. Yes. And do a little bit tomorrow, and keep right. doing it until you've right. done it.
0: Yes. Don't don't do that. I've got to write a hundred thousand word book. Like, don't do that. Do, I'm going to write 1500 words three times a week.
1: <laughs> We're mm-hmm. going to see how this goes. Or 300 words today. Yeah. 300 words 300 today words. is yeah. a couple of paragraphs. It's a page. You can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: that will get you where you need to go. Yeah, yeah. be kind to yourself because the world needs our stories for sure. Well, as we're we could talk about writing the three of us forever, but as we're talking about challenging ourselves and and advice and sisters in crime and community, and I do know that the value of talking to people is tremendous um, because you just look at each other's face and you sort of have the real conversations mm-hmm. about how's it going, what's going on. Um, what do you wish you'd known at the beginning? Sandra, I'll start with you. You, you have had a really interesting career so far and it's continuing to be interesting, (laughs) but what do you wish you knew at the beginning of all of this?
2: That there was a community like this to be, you know, perfectly honest. I really thought it was like me against the world, you know, um, what that says about me on a personal level, let's just not go there. (laughs) But as a writer, I knew, and still as a, as a, a writer, when I'm actually doing the writing work, it is very solitary. So Mm -hmm. I really thought that that was it. Like you just do your writing. And maybe if you have a best friend who also happens to be a writer, maybe you can share your writing with them. But I didn't know that, you know, um, there were other, there's a community of writers out here uh, who will support me, even if they don't read the stuff I write. You know, and they will understand some of the challenges, even if they never read a word that I write. That they're that they're available here for me to talk to to feel like I belong somewhere. As you know, maybe many, maybe I think there are many other writers (laughs) like me who grew up kind of being the weirdo in every Mm -hmm. group. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and if you didn't, you were super popular. (laughs) Excellent, I'm happy for you. But I definitely grew up being a weirdo in every group. And uh, so I think that may may have been why I thought I was going to always be alone as a writer. So, yeah, I wish I had known that there was community. Um, I probably would have reached out sooner then. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, don't wait. until you've got a contract or something. If if you're (laughs) even whispering aloud, I want to write, find your folks. And if you're a crime writer, join Sisters in Crime, but there's groups like Sisters in Crime for all sorts of genres, find your people. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. I was listening to Sandra talk about that and and trying to figure out where do I consider the beginning of my career? Like where, Mm. where do I wish I had made a, you know, a zig when I zagged? instead. Um and I did find Sisters in Crime and Mysteries of America and uh, Community um, pretty early on, before I had an agent, before I had a, a manuscript that was finished. Um, and I found them by finding another writing community, another conference, another, you know. Um, and I I think I early on I took advantage of a lot of opportunities. So I I always, you know, I'm always telling people like, you know, look around, find these opportunities, because you never know. Um exactly what kind of writer you're going to be and exactly where your career is going to go, but you can find the community to support you no matter what it is. Um, One of the things that slowed me down early, early, early on was um I was I was a dabbler for a long time. I was, you know, a, a writer from an early age, I mean really early, but I never took it very seriously. It was not a career path. It was a thing that I liked to do sometimes. And I I mostly didn't. I mostly uh, did not write. I wanted to write and I would maybe write, I would binge write, you know, on a weekend uh, or, you know, a day when I was a kid. It would just like write a story or or not finish it maybe or just dabbled for a really long time. And if I had wanted to speed up my career, um, one of the things that I, it would have been nice to know was that um, the stories by people like me were valid that stories from people who are from where I'm from mm-hmm. were stories that people wanted to hear mm-hmm. and I don't think that I knew that for a really long time one of the ways I finally got serious about writing was because one of my best friends was a writer and as uh, Sandra was like wouldn't that be great well actually I did have that <laughs> Good for you um, <laughs> one of my best friends from high school uh who was a couple years older than me uh Christopher Koch who's um uh uh, fiction a novelist and short story writer uh award-winning you know but at the time we were both like dabbling together and on the newspaper right. staff together and that sort of thing and then one day I looked up and it had been five years since I had written a no single word for myself um I had a writing job and he was publishing his first book of short stories and that's mm-hmm. the moment at which I thought wait a minute there's a way to do this there's a way, I mean, there are many ways, but you know, he had found one and I had not been looking, I had not been trying. And so I wish I had known that there was a, there's room at the table for, mm-hmm. you know, who you are and what stories you want to tell. Yeah, And yeah, maybe I'd gotten, but I think the the way I did it, it was actually okay because I wrote the stories I did and I'm happy with the stories that I've been telling. So, you know, we don't want to change anything about yeah, how we are, how we got here. But I think it, you know, Sisters in Crime is one of the ways that I think we can get the word out. Your stories are valid and they can be published. Yeah.
0: And so many stories. I, I think that that's something the publishing industry is also catching up to. So many stories are valid, and so many perspectives, and so many uh, life experiences. I'm not saying they've caught up. I, 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 they're, they're catching up, you know? catching up. <laughs> um, and and that's heartening as well. Trying to find the little joys, Laura. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> so, Sandra, you have a book due to your editor, and Laura, you're
1: in page proofs arcs. Where are you in your journey? I am, I should be doing my copy edits right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's so what she's going to When I hang up, I doing. will work on my copy edits. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you both gave a year of your lives as president and longer than that on the board. And and Sandra got sucked in for even longer because she's been the... Um, <laughs> happily, <running> the, happily. <laughs> happily, but she's been t- chairing the DEIJB committee, which... Um, Again, when she was vice president with Laurie, the presidents of Sisters in Crime have uh, immediate past president projects. And Sandra had sort of said, I'd kind of like to do some work <laughs> around this. And Laurie said, guess what? You're not waiting.
2: <laughs>
0: You're going to start that now. So four years later, um, <laughs> five years later, whatever it uh, is, Sandra yeah. is deep into this work, and had, which is made a lot of change and sisters so in crime is better for it. Much better uh, for really. it. We're all better for it. And you know, Laurie got us through a pandemic. And uh because of issues around uh equity and inclusion, we had decided to not only do workshops in person, but to do them online. So Sisters in Crime had that infrastructure in place a year before the pandemic, which meant moving things online wasn't as challenging uh you know for us i mean it was challenging because we couldn't see each other but as far as programming you know we made it possible and then continued to make it possible for our our chapters and other folks to have access to the online um techniques so you both left huge um imprints on this organization in its 35 years um and i am thrilled that we got to have another conversation about writing and maybe we'll do it again at 200 episodes <laughs> you're
1: on <wrong.
2: laughs> <All laughs> right. I'm in. well it's okay. a privilege really julie it's a privilege it was a privilege to uh just be on the board and work with lori i always call lori my president it's <laughs> well, always going to be my president, um, and it's just a privilege to contribute. I think I think we all agree, right? To contribute I mean, to this community that's yeah. given us so much, but also um, that we love and that yeah. we know is worth um, supporting and growing, right? To yeah. to help other writers who we we used to be the writers we used to be way back when. Right, and so um, that's what I remember when I'm feeling like, oh, it's another meeting for Sisters in Crime. <laughs> right, <laughs> I remember I signed up for this and I did it happily. Exactly. So um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to be working on this stuff and I'm happy to be able to to um, be in this elite group of <laughs> Sisters in Crime leaders.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is a cool thing to be a part of this yeah. uh, tradition and have you know it's a small group of people who can say. Yeah, national yeah. president, sisters in crime. It was something yeah. I thought I'll do someday. And then yeah. Sherry Harris was like, "Hey, I'd like to give you a call."
0: And they're some still friends, new. so that yeah. was yeah. I mean, <laughs> still, we're still friends. I forgive
1: her. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was it's a big job. I think it's um, it's a commitment to do to do the work. It's a three year commitment to do the one job but at least, but it's, um, it is a privilege to be a part of the organization that we have gotten so much from and want to continue. We want to, you know, uh, something that Sarah Peretzky, our friend, our, our founding sister, um, put it in place, but I think every year it gets stronger and stronger. And Julie, you are uh, absolutely a part of that. Um, as executive director, it has been, um, it has been a joy to watch Sisters in Crime thrive in the past couple of years.
0: Well, absolutely! you're very kind. Thank you. It's a, it's a privilege to be doing this job at this point in my career. I'm a very fortunate person. So um, thank you both for a great conversation. Thank,
2: thank you. you, Julie. Great to see you, Lori. Great to see you, Sandra. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you for being with us today.